a syndicated column. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame the first time he was eligible in 1966. He published his autobiography in 1969, which I remember devouring. He made a surprise return to baseball as manager of the lowly Washington Senators that same year. He wasn't particularly good at managing, but the game was better for having him back. He stayed engaged in baseball as a fan and signed on with the Red Sox as a hitting coach. In that capacity, Williams would make godlike annual appearances at spring training, where he would hold court before worshipful young players and the writers whom he had outlasted and bent to his will. Being Ted Williams seemed like a full-time job. He plied the memorabilia circuit, but not aggressively. He returned to Fenway Park for old-timers games and to be honored on various occasions. He had highways and tunnels named after him, and in 1991, on the 50th anniversary of his signature achievement, batting 406, President George H.W. Bush feted him at the White House, along with Joe DiMaggio, whose 56-game hitting streak in 1941 was also recalled with awe. Then, Ted returned solo later in the year to receive the Medal of Freedom from Bush. Those celebrations, however poignant, paled in comparison to the nationally televised spectacle of Williams, 80 and frail, returning to Fenway Park for the 1999 All-Star Game, and what everyone understood would be his farewell to Boston. Living members of baseball's all-century team joined that year's All-Stars in one of the game's most memorable tableau, swarming around Williams in adulation and refusing to leave the field despite appeals to do so by the public address announcer. So it seemed Ted never really left the sporting scene. When he died in 2002, I read the obituaries, the special sections, and the tributes, and was struck by how much interest there still was in his life, by how many different people he had touched in different ways, and by what a rich, extraordinary life he had led. I was familiar with the William genre, the dozen or so previous books on the kid, the vast majority of which had been written by adoring sports writers who had concentrated almost exclusively on his baseball exploits. I'd read most of them as a boy when they came out, short books like Ted Williams, The Eternal Kid by Ed Lynn, 1961, Ted Williams by Ray Robinson, 1962, and The Ted Williams Story by Gene Schur, also 1962. Williams himself improved on the spare early books with his autobiography, My Turn at Bat, ghostwritten by John Underwood. My Turn captured Ted's voice, but was limited in scope, as autobiographies often are, and Williams barely delved into his personal life at all. He also had 33 more years to live after the book was published. In subsequent years, several coffee table books about Ted appeared, most of them glowing hagiography. In 1991, Columbia University English professor Michael Seidel produced the solid and serious Ted Williams of Baseball Life, though it received little national attention. In 1993, Ed Lynn greatly expanded his small 1961 book into the worthy hitter, The Life and Turmoils of Ted Williams. The best piece of writing on Ted in this period, however, was not a book, but a long piece in Esquire magazine by the estimable Richard Ben Kramer, published in 1986. 
Kramer, who died of cancer in 2013, precisely captured Ted's vernacular and a hint of his deep-seated anger. The kids spoke in loud and profane staccato bursts, veering from one subject to another. It was an ultimately sympathetic portrait of a troubled man who tried to be the best at what he did, a man who wanted fame but not celebrity, and who was the absolute master of his own his-way-or-the-highway universe. This was basically the state of Ted Litt, plentiful but thin, when I began work on this biography more than a decade ago now, in the fall of 2002. Before long, Lee Montville's Ted Williams, an American Hero, appeared. Montville, a former sports columnist at the Boston Globe and a colleague of mine when he was there, is a gifted writer and much faster than I am. His book, published in 2004, just 21 months after William's death, raised the bar in...